Gemara Moed Katan, Daf Tet, Masechet, dedicated by our good friend Mr. Martin Arani, in Rukuash Shedema Betzalel, Ben Mazal Tov. We begin today's daf on Chet Amud Bet, on the bottom of the Amud Metive. Kol elu she'amru asurim disa b'mo'ed. So all these that we said uh, are forbidden to marry on Chol HaMu'ed. If you remember yesterday we talked about the Isur of marrying on Chol HaMu'ed because of the different reasons uh, that we said, that we gave. So the Gemara comes along and says, Mutarim Lisa Even though we said they cannot get married on the Regal itself, they are allowed to get married on Erev HaRegel. They're allowed to get married Erev Yom Tov. So Gemara says, Kasha That's a Kasha according to all the reasons that we gave. Why is it a question according to everybody? So read the top of Rashi. Mutarim Lisa Erev HaRegel, Kilomar. Even though the seven days of the Seudah is going to be on the Regal. So the Chaurah, what happened to Ma'arabim Simcha Simha? What happened to, you're going to take away from the Simha of the holiday? What happened to the fact that you're going to have a Torah to make the Seudah? What happened to the Piriyav and the Biyaris? And that you're going to delay the wedding until to make it to Erev HaRegal? So all, all these reasons, the Chaurah don't apply. How, how can you allow it to make, make the wedding on Erev HaRegel, the Chawra, all these reasons are going to still be in effect. The Gemara says, Kasher Lekulu. Gemara answers, Leman Amar Mishum Simha, if you're going to go according to the first two reasons. The first two reasons were what? En Ma'arvim Simha B'Simha, or V'Samachta B'Hagecha V'Lo B'Ishtecha. No problem. Ikar Simha Had Yomahu. The main Simha is the first day. First day of the wedding. So since the first day of the wedding is Erev HaNegev, you have no problem with Ma'arim Simha B'Simha. Because you, you, the main Simha is really on the first day. The first day is before the holiday started. Or, This is not the holiday yet. The main Simha is, again, one day. According to the opinion that says it's going to be the toil that you have to make the Se'udah, The main Tirha is the Se'udah of the wedding, the wedding feast. So therefore, since the wedding is done, Erev HaNegev, so therefore you're doing the Tercha before the Regal. No problem of Tercha on the Regal. It's true you're going to have to make Se'udot during the week, but there's no Tercha really on that uh, on those Se'udot, like the Tercha is on the, the wedding feast itself. So therefore there'll be no problem with that. And for Piriyavirivya, no one's going to delay their wedding for, because you have one day to do it. Which means, if a guy's in the middle of the year, he's not going to say, well, I'm allowed to do it Erev HaRegel, and therefore, you know what? Erev HaRegel is close to the holiday, so it's more convenient to, be, to make a wedding. For one day, they're not going to delay. If it's a week, they'll delay, because they can say, if it doesn't work out this day, I can do it tomorrow, I can do it the next day. If you have a window, people will delay it. But they're not going to delay a wedding, because you're giving them one option of doing it Erev HaRegel. So there's no problem of Betul, Piriyah, Verivyah. So now the Gemara comes along and says, so therefore the reasons don't apply, and that's why it's permissible to make the wedding on Erev Aregel. Now the Gemara comes along and says, the Gemara comes along and says, Ude'en ma'arvim simcha b'simcha minalam. Yesterday we gave a principle that said, En ma'arvim simcha b'simcha, that you're not allowed to uh, mingle two simcha together. Each simcha has to be separately. And we, we, we used the Legabe making a wedding on the, on, on the Regal. 
But how do you know this concept? Who said you can't make two simachot? Maybe the more the merrier. Maybe it's better to make two simachot. Who said you cannot mingle two simachot together? The Gemara is going to say, we actually learned it from Shalomah Melech when he inaugurated the first Beit HaMikdash. After the inauguration of the first Beit HaMikdash, he celebrated the Hag. And all the Jewish people with him, Kahal Gadol, a great congregation of the Bohamat and the Hamasraim. That's the borders that they were. The Fnei Hashem Elohenu Shivat Yamim Veshivat Yamim, seven days and seven days Arba Asar Yom, which means they made a seven-day inauguration before Sukkot, and then they celebrated Sukkot for an additional seven days. It was all together was fourteen days. So you see what they didn't make the Simcha of the Beit Hamikdash on Sukkot. The Gemara says, "Ve'im ita demalim simcha b'simcha." If indeed you're going to tell me you're allowed to mingle two simchot together, lelemintar ad hag. They should have waited till the hag. Wait until Sukkot. Umeabad shiva lehacha ulehacha. Let them let 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 them like we say, kill two birds with uh, with one stone. Let them make the simcha Sukkot, the simcha of the inauguration of the Beit Hamikdash. Tosfot points out that that would be a better option not to mevatil the people from Melacha. Now you're telling the people basically 14 days off of work. So therefore, if you were allowed to be ma'arim simha b'simha, there would have been a more feasible option, a more logical option. What? Uh, make it one party on Sukkot and do Sukkot and uh, Simhat Beit HaMikdash. Ela, you see what? From the fact that they separated the parties, you see from there, en ma'arim simha B'simcha. So the Gemara comes along and says, no, maybe you have no uh, proof. Why? V'edilma mintar lo natrinan. V'hecha de'etrameh avdinan. Which means maybe really you're allowed to be ma'arev simcha b'simcha. But in that case over there, they couldn't delay it. The Beit HaMikdash was finished. So once the Beit HaMikdash was finished, they had to inaugurate it on the day that was finished. You can't delay it. So therefore, because the Gemara is asking, you should have delayed it. You can't delay it. Once, once the time is the time. In the maybe, maybe in truth that what, maybe in truth you're allowed to make the simha uh, simha. But the point is what they couldn't do it because of because they 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 they, 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 they couldn't delay it. So that's what the Gemara comes along and says, the Dilma. Mintar lo natrinan vehecha de itrame avdina, but in the kanami, they could if it landed on the same day, they would have done it. The Gemara says if ele lishiyurupurta. The Gemara says fine. We're not saying that they should have finished. If the bentam gas was finished, you should have delayed it. But shelomo, he should have on purpose left something unfinished, and therefore. Finish it, mamash, right before Sukkot to make the, the party uh, together. The fact that he didn't leave it that shows you which means in the if it was done, you can't delay it. Who told you to finish it? Maybe Shalom could have delayed the construction a little in order to make sure that it's finished on the time that Sukkot comes. And from the fact that he didn't do that, you see in The Gibran says, "What are you talking about? Delay the construction of the Beit Hamikdash on purpose?" You're not allowed to delay the construction of the Beit HaMikdash. Once it's finished, it's finished. And therefore, Shilomok could not, couldn't have delayed the, uh, um, the, uh, uh, the construction. That wasn't an option. But again, he couldn't have delayed it. But in the if it would have finished on Sukkot time, maybe they would have made 
a, uh, a double party. The Gemara says, no, he wouldn't have an option. If Shalomo could have left over a certain part of the Beit HaMikdash, which is called the Amal Orev, which means, if you remember, we learned that they used to have on the roof of the Beit HaMikdash um, a, um, a, uh, a was metal uh, a plate that had uh, spikes coming out of it. They didn't want the Orbim, the birds, to rest on the Beit HaMikdash's roof. And then when they put this Kalya Orev, literally to get rid of the, to get rid of the, um, to get rid of the ravens, or to get rid of the uh, the crows that were dirtying the Beit HaMikdash uh, roof. That's at least uh, one interpretation. And therefore, as she says, that they would cover the whole roof over there with these plates. Again, they were in Amma uh, Square, Amma by Amma, and they had these sharp, uh, you know, sharp items, spikes, we'll say, coming out of them over there. And therefore, uh, the Gibbara says, he could have he not put that up, which means don't, don't, not, you can't delay this construction of the Beit HaMikdash, but maybe that item, wait, 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 that's the, left, the final touch on the roof, put that up at the end, and therefore you can make the uh, Simcha together. The Gebrahim says, what are you talking about? Amad kal ya'orev, so does binyan abayitu. The Gebrahim says, I mean, I guess you have to say, they thought that it's not such a, you know, it's not such a problem to delay that item, because it's, you know, it's an external item on the roof. The Gebrahim says, what are you talking about? That's considered sort of kabayit. And just like you cannot delay anything that's inside the Beit HaMikdash, you cannot delay that Amakal Yawarev either. And therefore, it's part of the building. And therefore, you have no proof that we cannot do Simcha B'Simcha. Maybe really, yes, Ma'arvim Simcha B'Simcha. It's just that they finished the Beit HaMikdash and they had to inaugurate it when they inaugurated it. And there was no option to delay it because you can't even delay the Kal That's Rabbi, a, yes. question over here? Yes. They're asking... They're asking what's the difference between the Mishkan. The Mishkan was already Hanukkah time and they waited. No, Mishkan time was Hanukkah time. Go slow. There was no Hanukkah at the time of the Mishkan. I'm saying, we say, we say it was finished on Hafei Kislev. It was finished way before, way before Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Correct. And, and they waited before they, before they put it up. So they're saying what's Oh, there the, you have to say, maybe you can have a few answers. One answer... It was Alpiyat Dibur, obviously. So if it's Alpiyat Dibur, you have no, uh, you know, you have nothing to talk about. The one that told you to build the Mishkan told you to put it in storage. And it wasn't, it wasn't really built yet, my friend. That's the real answer. They just built the parts of the Mishkan. It was a temporary structure. It was never built. Understand? It was never built. They didn't build it until... You know, over here, the Beit HaMikdash, it's built. It's a house. It's, it's ready. So here you have a, a house that's built and you're telling everybody, uh, don't move in yet, you know, delay it. Mishkan, you don't really have a Mishkan, it's not called a Mishkan yet till it's built. You just have parts of a, of a Mishkan. So maybe when it's components of a, of, 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 of a structure, yeah, the, until the components are put together, it's not considered a delay. Once it's, once it's actually built, you can't say, all right, we built it today, but we're moving in two days from now. To me, that's a, that's a look. Components to a building. So now, like the, it, okay, there you go. So Gemara comes along and says, Mechdi. Gemara comes along and says, again, we're struggling to prove this, this concept of Erebotai. We still didn't prove that in Ma'arim Simha Simha. We're really saying, could be, maybe you can mix two Simahot together. And the only reason why they didn't do it in the Beit HaMikdash was because the Beit HaMikdash was finished before Sukkot. And you have to celebrate it the second it's finished. But in the Chedamif, when it got finished on Sukkot, they would have done two uh, parties uh, on one. So the Gemara says, no. Mechti, ketiv asar yom. It says that they celebrated for 14 days. Shiva'at yamim, vishiva'at yamim. 
Lamali, why does it have to tell me seven days and seven days? Which means you told me they celebrated a consecutive 14 days. Why do you have to tell me seven and seven? To come and see each celebration is a separate standalone celebration. Seven and seven. The seven before, meaning the seven of the inauguration, and the seven of Sukkot. Two different parties that cannot be mixed. Now, if you think about it for a second, Abotai, that means they inaugurated the Bet that's seven days before Sukkot, which is Yom Kippur, by the way. And what were they doing on that Yom Kippur? Were they celebrating? Were they eating? So the Gemara says, Amar Bipanach, Amar Bihanan, Shana, Lo Asu Yisrael et Yom Kippurim. Amazing. They didn't celebrate Kippur that year. They didn't observe Yom Kippur. They were worried. They said, maybe we're going to deserve Hasbe Shalom. To be exterminated because we didn't fulfill Yom Kippur that year. Yatsta, but called the Amra Lehem, a heavenly voice came out and said, All of you are prepared for Helek Lehem. The Maharsha points out over here that what does it mean, all of you are all of you? The ones that ate Lashem Shamayim, for sure, but even the people that didn't eat Lashem Shamayim, even the guys that came along and said, Beauty, we can eat on Yom Kippur this year. And they were enjoying themselves, and they really didn't eat Lashem Shabbat, doesn't matter. All the people that ate that year are Mizuman, the my Darush. Now, what was their Dirash that allowed them to eat on Yom Kippur? Amru, they said, Kalbahomer. Mishkan, She'en, Kedushato, Kedushat Olam, the Mishkan, which is not a permanent structure, doesn't last forever. And what? When they inaugurated it, all the tribes, each tribe brought eight. Korban Yahid, a private Korban, and Dochesh Shabbat Disusakila. And one of the tribes brought a Korban on the seventh day, which is Shabbat. And therefore, if you could be Docheh for a Korban Yahid, Shabbat, which is Sekila, Mikdash, which its sanctity is forever. The Korban Sibur, and this was not a private Korban. These were communal korbanot. And Kippur is only punishable by karet, which is less than sekila, loko chicken. Basically, they're saying, if you were allowed to override Shabbat at the time of the inauguration of the Mishkan by bringing private korbanot, certainly you'd be able to <coughs> override Yom Kippur when they were building the Beit HaMikdash, which was the permanent structure, and bringing communal korbanot. So then the Gemara says, that's a great Tavahomet. So why were they worried? Why were they concerned, the people? The Yabara says, So over there, those sacrifices maybe were Doche Shabbat because they were being brought of the Gavoa, which means, but over here, at the time of the, of the, of the Bet HaMikdash, what were they doing? They were eating and drinking. One thing to tell me you can bring korbanot to God to be doche Shabbat, but to eat and drink, which is your personal pleasure, maybe you don't doche. Maybe you only doche what? When it's Fakadosh Baruch Hu. Bringing a korban, even the, obviously the korbanot of the Nisi'im was Surah Kavos for the purpose of Hashem. So maybe over there was permissible. But who told you for your own personal enjoyment to eat and drink, could you be doche? That's why they were doeg. The Gemara says, The Gemara says, so they could have done that. Why did they actually eat on Yom Kippur and drink? 
They should have just been, they should have just made simcha. In the Kanamir, she's what what why did they allow themselves to eat and drink? One thing to be happy, but maybe they shouldn't have eaten and drinking. The Gemara says, and simcha bedo We know that. You cannot have simcha without eating and drinking. So therefore, I get to tell a person, come to the party and you have to fast today. There's no party. So therefore, they knew that that's an integral part of the simcha. And therefore, there's no option not to eat and drink. Now, how do you know that the korbanot that they brought in the inauguration of the mishkan is doche Shabbat? Where do we see that? So Gebra says, maybe you'll tell me, bayom harishon u bayom very good. It says on each day that they brought the Qurban, Bayom Rishon, Bayom Shini, Bayom Shilishi. And then it says what? Bayom Shivi'i. Now, what is Bayom Shivi'i? Shivi'i sounds like the seventh day, which is what? Shabbat. So they brought a Qurban on Shabbat. The Gabriel says, no, Dilma Shivi'i le Qurbanot. Maybe it just means the seventh uh, 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 president that brought Qurbanot. Maybe it's not going uh, uh, on the days of the week. You know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Yom Shivi'i, Shabbat. It just means the seventh, means the seventh of the bringing of the korbanot. So you have no rayat, they brought it on Shabbat. Amar Nachman Bar Yitzhak, Amar Kira, Biyom Ashte Asar Yom. Here it says on the 11th day, Biyom Ashte Asar Yom. What is this Yom Yom over here? So the Gebarah says, with Doresh, Ma Yom Kuloratsu, just like a day goes in order, uh, it's consecutive. Raf Ashte Asar, so to the 11 days were in order, meaning went through a Shabbat, didn't skip any days. So therefore, it's the Yom that teaches us that there was no days skipped. So the Gemara says, No, maybe it just means no days that were Ra'ui were skipped, meaning it was consecutive on the days that were, uh, that, were uh, that, that were Shayach. But who told you that they brought it on Shabbat? We're not telling you that it, that it wasn't consecutive. It was consecutive days that were fit to bring the Qurban. And they didn't skip any other day. Ketiv Kerahalina, we have another Pasuk that says, Biyom Shenem Asarium. On the next day, the first day was Biyom Ashte Asar, day 11. The next day it says, Biyom Shenem Asarium. Same story again. Why did it have to say Yom? Ma Yom Kulonatsu, just like the day is consecutive. Av Shenem Asarium, Kulam Ritzufin. So too, the 12 days. Are consecutive. So the Gemara says again, maybe again, it's the, the days that are fit are consecutive. What do you need two Pesukim in a row? And then the fact that it says it twice teaches you that indeed it was consecutive mamash on all days, including Shabbat. Now, how do we know that they were able to be? in the Beit Hamikdash, which means where do we know it? Where, where, where did we see that they were doche Yom Kippurim? Where do you see the pesukim that they were doche Yom Kippurim? I understand we made a kavachomer before. That's a mekor, but where do you see that they actually did it? It says asar yom. It says they they celebrated fourteen days. So if you start seven days before Sukkot, 14 days, Yom Kippur is going to fall right in, right, right in the middle there. Maybe it just means the 14 days that were fit. And maybe Kippur, they skipped. 
Gemar Yom Yom Mehatam. Yavik Ezra Sheva Yom from the Beit HaMikdash to Yom by the Mishkan. And just like we just said, by the Mishkan, it was consecutive days without skipping any. That means automatically Shabbat. So too by the Beit HaMikdash. When it says Yom, it's consecutive days, not skipping any of the days. Now the Gemara says, Yatsta bat kol ve'amra lahem. A heavenly voice came out and said, Kun lechem izumanim nahaya olam abba. Everybody over here is okay. How do we know that God forgave them for eating on Yom Kippur? Because the Pasuk comes along and says, We have a bright in the name of Tachlifa. He sent the nation. So again, on the eighth day, the last day of the holiday, Shalomor dismissed the people and said, You have Berakha. They went to their tents. Semechim. <coughs> They were happy with Tovei Lev, they were good-hearted. Al-Kol Asher Asa Hashem David, for all the good that God did for David, Abdul David, his servant of Israel, Amo. So the Gemara is going to be Doresh, each part of this Pasuk. So basically, King Shilomo sends the people back home. So it says, they went to their tents. She'halchu u'matzu neshehem betahara. We know that oil is a, is a, is a, is a remez to the wife. The wife is called oil. Like we just saw in this week's parasha, shubu lachem, laolechem. Go back to your tents. Go back to your tents. The oil is then go back to your wives. So therefore, they found their wives, betahara. Semechim. What does it mean, semechim? Shenehenu mezi v'shechina. That they enjoyed the shechina. Like the Maharsha points out, it says, semchu b'hashem. Semchu b'hashem. So that brings semcha. That's they enjoyed the Divine presence. And they were good-hearted. What does that mean? Every lady that night got pregnant and ultimately had a baby boy. How do we know that from this pasuk? Because when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, it says, So then when she's a baby boy, so the same thing, Furthermore, <clears throat> They were rejoicing on all the goodness. She had stopped. So that's the ultimate good. The ultimate good is Olam Abba. So therefore you see that God forgave them for eating on Yom Kippur. Now the end of the Pasuk said, Le David Abdo on Yisrael Amo. And all the kindness that God did for David, his servant, on Yisrael Amo. So the Gemara says, Mishlamal Yisrael Amo, all the kindness that God did for his nation, we understand. The Achil Lehu Avon Yom Kippurim. God forgave them for the sin of eating on Yom Kippur. David Avdo Mai. What does David Amelik do with this over here? That God forgave David? David wasn't even alive at this time. What does it mean that David, that the God, all the goodness that God did for B'nai Israel and David? What's the goodness that God did for David? When Shalom Amelik wanted to bring the Aaron into the Beit Mikdash, the gates of the Kodesh Kodashim, they clung together and they were not open. Amar Shilomo Esrim Ranot. So he sang twenty-four different songs of uh, praising Akados Baruchu, twenty-four different languages of praise. It wasn't answered. The doors remained closed. the Amari then said, Seu Sha'arim Rashikem. Rise open gates. Vilonai still was not answered. Kevan Shamar Hashem Elohim, God Almighty, Al Tashiv Penim Mishiheka. Do not turn away from the anointed one. Who is that? Sukhrah, the Hasdeh, David, Abdecha. Remember the kindness 
and the righteousness of David, your servant. Oh, once David's name was mentioned, the answer was received immediately and the gates were opened. David's enemies, their faces turned black like the bottom of a pot in humiliation. Why? Because they were the ones that I was saying, ah, David was not a tzaddik, David was with Bathsheba, he's not righteous. And now all of a sudden, you see that the only zechut that the Beit HaMikdash gates were able to open up was because of the mentioning of David. At that point, all David's enemies, their, their face became blackened, meaning from embarrassment. At that point, everybody realized, that God must have forgiven David for that sin, and therefore... It was good for David as well. That was the that that that, that uh, cleared David Amalekh from the sin of Bathsheba. And now we go to the famous story of the Gemara with the students of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Yonatan ben Asmai Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim Tanu Parashat Nedarim. They studied Masechet Nedarim. Or Parashat Nidarim, Be Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. They studied Masikhet Nidarim in uh, Rabbi Shimon Yochai's yeshiva. Iftar mine beurta. What happened? That's it. They were going home. So they left him in the evening. They left him, Rabbi, thank you very much. We're going home. Let's safra hadur become iftar mine. In the morning, they came back to the Rav and they told him uh, again, you know, we're leaving. You know, as if they asked for permission to leave. Amar dehu, Velav iftarditu mini beurta. Didn't you do this last night? Would you have to come back this morning to ask for permission? Rabbeinu, Rabbeinu, you taught us a lesson. And A student that leaves his rabbi and plans to go home, but then ends up staying overnight. Got to go back and ask permission again. So therefore, that's what happened to us. We were planning on leaving yesterday, but we ended up staying overnight. And Derecheret says, you got to go back to the rabbi. Where do we see this from? On the eighth day, So Shalom Amalek sent the people back, and the people blessed the king. Beautiful, and they left. But it says, On the 23rd of the month, which is the day after Shemini Atzeret, He sent the people. What do you mean? He sent the people. I thought he sent them the day before. So you see, they must have stayed overnight. The fact they stayed overnight, they had to go back. They have to go back. Although the Maharsha points out over here, there they had no choice. They had, it was obvious they were going to stay overnight. So they changed their plans. They couldn't travel on Shemini it. By the case of the students of Nashbi, they could have traveled on that day. The fact that they stayed an extra night, you got to go back. But maybe when it's obvious that your plans didn't change, because we knew they're not going to leave on Shemini it. So why did they have to go back? So the Maharsha says, yeah, but they could have went at least to the Tchum. They could have traveled a little. And then right after the holiday, you know, they're at the end of the Tchum. The fact that they didn't even do that, which could be that was their original plan. The fact that they decided to stay overnight, they had to go back to Shilomo. So the Gemara says, wow, Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yuhai was impressed. Amar le libre, Rabbi Shimon tells his son, Rabbi Al-Azhar, These are men of stature. It's an amazing thing here. He learned with them the whole time. Daddy doesn't mention anything about their learning skills. But when he saw that they had the right derich edits, that they came back, now he calls them men of stature. Well, what makes a men of stature? Not their, necessarily their intellect, but 
the fact that they have derich eretz and the proper respect. Anyway, he tells his son, Zil gabehon de barchuch. Go get a beracha from them. Okay, wow, imagine that. Rabbi Shalom Yochai, which is the source of all the berachot, is telling your son, these are men of stature, go uh, grab a beracha from them. So he went. Rabbi Shimon's son went to get a beracha, and he sees the rabbi sitting there, and they're talking in Pesukim. What's the question they had? Ketiv, one Pesuk says, Pales ma'agal raglecha, vechol derachecha yekonu. Which basically is telling us over here that you have to calculate. Pales means you have to weigh. You have to weigh, uh, you know, different items that are in front of you before you do the mitzvot. So you have to weigh which mitzvah is proper. Look at that sheet. Pales ma'agal raglecha. Kilomar. Shekol mitzvot. We have to weigh the mitzvot. Ve'ayin du ezim mitzvah ve'aseh ha'gedolah. Weigh the mitzvah and do the greater one. That's the first pasuk. Pales. Pales means measure and weigh your ways. Now, Uchti, we have another pasuk that says, Ora hayim, when it comes to serving God, the path of life, pentefales. Hasbashalom, don't weigh anything. Sounds like what? Just do the, the first mitzvah that comes to you. Don't weigh the mitzvah. So make up your mind. So the Gemara comes along and says, no question. La kasha. the mitzvah she'efshah la'asota al yedeh ahirim. Which is, if there's a mitzvah that what? That you ate, that's able to be done by somebody else. So then you could weigh. And therefore what? Do the bigger one. Because the, the other mitzvah will be done by, uh, by others. You're not going to lose the mitzvah. If it's a mitzvah that comes to you. But this mitzvah can be done by others. Pass up. Say, I'm not doing the small one. I'd rather do the bigger one. However, what's the other case that we say don't calculate? But if a small mitzvah comes to you, but this mitzvah cannot be done by others, then you can't say, well, I'm passing over it to do the bigger one. No. There's nobody else to do that mitzvah. That's the mitzvah that's, uh, that's on the table right now. Don't wait. Exactly. You don't measure the mitzvot that come to you. It cannot be done. That's the first. Then they were subsequently sitting down and they had another stira. One person says, The Torah is more precious than pearls. This is referring to the study of Torah. It's more precious than pearls. And... All of your physical desires, it sounds like, kol hafatzecha, cannot compare to it. Sounds like what? That it, you can't compare your physical desires to Torah, but spiritual desires are greater than Torah, it sounds like. It sounds like mitzvot are greater than Torah. Hafsez shamayim is mitzvot. It's in your personal desires are not as great, but hafsez shamayim are greater than Torah. But we have another pasuk that says, vechol hafatzim, which means any desires, not only hafatzecha, it sounds like even mitzvot are not greater than Torah. So make up your mind. Is Torah greater or is mitzvot greater? So the Gemara said, depends. Classic answer. If a person is learning Torah and the mitzvah comes his way and that mitzvah can be done by others, so then we say, Continue learning Torah. Let somebody else do the mitzvah. In that case, Torah overrides the mitzvah. But of course, if it's a mitzvah that cannot be done or performed by others, so then already, of course, you have to stop, close the book, and go do the mitzvah. So it depends what type of mitzvah it is. 
If you look at the top Tosfot, he just says, Kan b'mitzvah she'i efshar la'asota yedi achirim, asiyat mitzvah adif. What's the proof, he says? Sharem mafsikim afilu rabbi shimon bar yuhai la'asot sukkah v'lunav. Wow, even the great rabbi, Rabbi Shemar Yohai, that's learning 24 hours a day, he has to stop to build the sukkah, he has to stop to shake the lulav, like it says in Yerushalmi. But rabbis don't have to stop for Kriyat Shema and Tefillah. Or Yerushalmi, Yerushalmi explains, Zesh Shinano, Vezesh Shinano. Kriyat Shema basically is learning. It's a form of Torah. So I have to stop my learning for another form of Torah. Tefillah, the same thing. So therefore... We see over here that if the mitzvah cannot be performed by others, even Torah Rabbi Shimon, you got to stop in order to go study. In any event, after they gave these reconciliations of these pesukim, the students turn to the Bil Azar and they tell him, Amru my what are you doing over here? He says, Amar dehu, de Amar de Abba, my father told me, Zil Gabayu, de le He told us that we should come to you to get a blessing. So they give him this blessing, the famous backhanded blessing. You should sow and not reap. You should take in and not bring out. Bring out and not take in. Your house should be destroyed. And your temporary structure should be inhabited. Your table should be disturbed. You should not see the new year. <laughs> the congregation answers, Amen. So he says over here, When uh, he came to his father back after such a berakha, Forget about it, they didn't bless me. They, uh, they gave me tzara, they gave me pain. So, what, what, what did they tell you? So he says, no, Amar These are all expressions of Beracha. Why? That means you should sow and not cut. Exactly. You should have many children and they shouldn't die. So you're planting and you should never cut them down. You should take in and not bring out. Bring in daughters-in-law for your sons. And your sons should not die that you would have to return their daughters back to their parents' house. So bring in and don't send back. Send out. That means send out your daughters to get married. And their husbands will not die. And then your daughters will come back to you. No, send them out. They should stay out. That your permanent structure should be destroyed and your temporary structure should be established. This world, which is temporary, is the Ushpizach. That's the temporary, this world. And the next world is what? Is your permanent, which means don't get to your permanent world so quickly. Which means don't die. Don't get to the permanent world. You should, you, you, the grave should be destroyed. Meaning your permanent abode should not happen so quickly. But your temporary, which is Olam you should live. Dikhtid. How do we know that the, the grave is the permanent uh, residence? Kirbam. Kirbam, we're going to see, is actually Kivram, their graves. Batemo le'olam, is their permanent homes. Altikri Kirbam, Ela Kivram. And they were basically saying that your permanent home should be destroyed, meaning you shouldn't die so quickly. And your temporary house, which is Olam should have a long life. 
your table should always be disturbed with children. You know, children running around, making noise on the table and disturbing, which is a good thing. You shouldn't see a new year. That your wife should not die. The first year of marriage is Shana You shouldn't have a new year. Meaning you should, your wife should stay alive and you shouldn't have, shouldn't have to die. She shouldn't die. You would have to make a, a, a new wife and have a new Shana Anyway, on this over here, if you remember, we did uh, recite it. If you want to look at it, there's a fantastic Orachim Kadosh, worth your while to check it over over Shabbat in Parashat Lech Lecha on the Pasuk On that Pasuk over there, the Orachim goes in great length to explain this Gemara, what exactly, why they gave a blessing like this, and what exactly was all the Kavanot over here. Mamash, a beauty. If you want to go on uh, on the Orachim Kadosh that we gave over this year, if anybody has that file, maybe Adam will send it out. Parashat uh, Lech Lecha, that file on the Orachim HaKadosh explains this, um, this Gemara beautifully. Just one of the things the Orachim HaKadosh said over there, just to repeat over, was that what was the reason why these rabbis couldn't just give a regular Beracha? What are they giving this roundabout Beracha? So explanation is, because they were humble, and they said, we're not worthy to give the Beracha. So they knew that the Azaz is going to go back to the Bishimon for an interpretation. So ultimately, who gave them the Beracha? The Bishamon. It was, it, was it was a ploy to get them to go back to the Bishamon. So his interpretation now will actually be the one that's giving the Beracha. So therefore, ultimately, they, uh, they, they acquiesced to give a Beracha, but they made sure that was the Bishamon that really is the one that's going to give the ultimate Beracha. The Bishamon ben Khalafta, Iftar Minidirav. The Bishamon Khalafta left Rab. I guess they were learning and he left them. Amarle. Lebre, Rav told his son, same thing. So he can bless you. So he told him, Okay, don't embarrass others, and you will not be embarrassed as well. So he came back to his father. What did he tell you? I don't know, he told me ordinary words, nothing, nothing major. Nothing major? This is the blessing that God gave B'nai Yisrael, and he repeated it. It says you will eat, and you will be satisfied, and you will praise God. My nation will not be shamed. Again. And Manashev points out the double language means that you will not. Come to the test of embarrassing somebody, and if we that connected me that one that does not embarrass will not become embarrassed. So the rabbi was saying, you're, you're treating this lightly. Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave this beracha through his navi, therefore it's a great beracha. What did we learn in the Mishnah? A lady is allowed to make her uh, pretty, uh, let's say, to make herself to takshitim the different uh, like makeups and different things like that. She can make herself beautiful on holam moed. The following are the different types of uh, beautifications that the ladies can do. Kohelet, that's uh, painting her eyes. Uh, I guess we call that today mascara. Ufokeset, she can part her hair. They make like the part of the hair. They separate. Umavira, srak al panea. She can put the red uh, powder. I guess they call that the rouge on her face to give herself a reddish complexion. Nothing changes. 
מעברת סכין על פניה של מטה. That they used to take a razor in order to um, get rid of the hair on the lower face, meaning in the מקום ערווה. The wife of Rav Hezda was adorning herself in front of a daughter-in-law. She was an old lady, that means Rav Hezda. She had a daughter-in-law already. She was married. <coughs> and it was Cholamoyer, and she was uh, doing these different, uh, you know, makeup. Yativ, Rav Huna, Bar Hanina, Kamed Rav Hezda. So Rav Huna was in front of Rav Hezda. Yativ, Vikamar, and he said, Lo shanu ela yalda. The only heter for putting this makeup on, for adorning yourself, is only for young women. Meaning a single girl. How could your wife put on these things on Cholam Oed? Forget about my wife. Even your mother would be allowed to put on uh, this makeup. Even your grandmother. Not only that. Even if she's standing on her grave and she's about to croak, she'd still be allowed to put on makeup on Cholam Oed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the age over here. The Amri inch, as the people say, bar shitin ke bar shit. A 60-year-old is like a 6-year-old. Lekal tabla rahata. That they run to the sound of the bells, which is referring to the wedding, the wedding music over there. It's like a 6-year-old runs to the music of the wedding, so there's a 60-year-old, which means adorning themselves. A 60-year-old is like a 6-year-old. The same when it comes to these things. Rabbi Yudah made lotasud. Remember Rabbi Yudah said in the Mishnah, she may not put lime on. Why do they put lime on their bodies, the ladies? Is it depilatory in order to take off some of the hair? Tanya, Rabbi Yudah made, Isha lotasud, she may not put this lime on her skin because it's a, it's a, it's a nivud. Now, one explanation was the nivud. We said two things. First of all, it's, um, it's a sa'ar for her. It's, 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 it's painful. We look at Rashi. Shegenai hula. I guess it doesn't look nice when you're, when you're doing the process. V'nivud besid umitsta'erit besid. It's a sa'ar, the process. Although the end of the process is good. The result is great, but the, I guess the, uh, the journey is not so comfortable. So therefore, they don't want you to suffer on the hag. Tanya, Rabbi Yehuda, Amir, Isha, no tasud, no shenivul hula. Umodeh, Rabbi Yehuda, besid, sheyikhula lekapelo b'mo'ed. He agrees that if you are able to take it off on Hola Mu'ed, meaning you could put it on and take it off, meaning the, the result will be done on Hola Mu'ed, you could do it. Shetofalto Mu'ed. He was talking about putting it on Hola Mu'ed, then you can't take it off till after. But if you can have the results on Hola Mu'ed, no problem. Even though she's causing, it's causing a distress in the present moment. At the end, of the, at the end she's going to be happy. So basically, what did she do with Sevara? That you could do something that's painful on Hola Mu'ed as long as you'll enjoy a Simha from that activity on Hola Mu'ed. You go with the result. The result will be Simha, you're okay. The Gemara says, Does the Biyuda follow that logic? That even though something is, is, is painful now, that we go according to the later Simha that's going to, that's going to happen? So the Gemara says, which we let's say a goy who worships Abu Dazra owes you money. You're allowed to collect that debt on his holiday. Why? Because it's going to cause him sad that he had to pay you back. And therefore, we're not worried that he might come to praise his God for such a thing. So they told the Biyudah, it's true, when you pay the debt, it causes him distress. But bottom line, 
at the end you say, Baruch Hashem, balance zero. So therefore he'll be happy at the end. So therefore, you should not accept uh, 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 the repayment of a loan on his holiday. Now, what do you see over here? Rabbi Yudah doesn't agree with that. Rabbi Yudah says, bottom line right now, when the guy pays the debt, he's not happy. You go right now. You don't go with the future happiness. So then why, when it came to this lady, he says, even though she's in Sa'an now, when she's doing this depilatory, Simhai Zeman. I thought Rabbi Yudah doesn't care about Simhai Zeman. That's why he doesn't let you, that, that's why he does allow you to get paid back on, 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 from the Goyim on the holidays. Because he looks, he looks at the present moment. Present moment when the guy pays you, he said, "I later on is gonna be happy. Who cares?" So make up your mind. Do you, do you factor in future simcha or not? Don't bring a a, a, a question to the laws of Holam Moed. Put them aside. Why? The whole every minachar Holam is like that. Cooking on Holam Moed. It's a pain to cook. But what? At the end, you have a simcha. All the laws of Cholamu have that principle. That you're allowed to do certain melachot of Cholamu. And as she says, for example, if you look at as she, the chulu has called the second wide line. The shari mishumai ta'ama, not mishari. Okay, go on. Afiya, bishul, the mitzahir hashta. Not an easy thing to do, but kishu ofim and vashu. When you actually go through the process of cooking and baking, why is it permissible? The semeh, kishu ofim, afiya tobi, shobi yom tobi. When you get the result, you're happy. So therefore, that's the guiding principle. So therefore, there's no problem. The Gemara comes along and says, Rabbi Nassim has a different explanation. A guy is never happy to pay back. It won't bring him to Simha. That really, Rabbi Yudah agrees that we factor in future Simha. But the guy is never going to be happy. He does not rejoice. He's not happy to pay back. Okay. Amar of Yudah, Benot, he says, Jewish girls that reach, let's say, I guess we'll call that puberty, where they're starting to sprout hair. Even though even though they didn't reach the age of 12 years old yet, which means so they're young, they reach puberty at a young age, so, and they want to remove the hair from their body. So, the poor girls, they would use uh, seed, which is limestone, uh, which is uh, the most, uh, you know, the difficult one. The rich girls, they would use Fine flour, I guess you know, put, we'll make, make like a paste out of it. But the daughters of the uh, of the prince, princesses, uh, royal family, with the more oil. How do we know that? Queen Esther. Six months they would use this It's olive oil that did not. Reach a third of its ripeness. It seems it's very sharp, and therefore it's a depilatory. Tanya Rabbi Yudah Omer and Pikinun Shemin Zaychloy Vishlish. It's called Ampikinun. That's olives that did not reach a third of its ripeness. Velama Sachino. So why do people anoint themselves with this type of stuff? Shemeshir et Asear. It removes the hair. Umeadir et Abasar and causes the uh, the, 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 the the skin to be shiny. Rabbi Bai Havale Beratar. Rabbi Bai had a daughter. Tafla Evan Evan, he smeared her limb by limb, you know, one limb at a time, uh, in order to make her skin look uh, nice over here. I guess uh, to make her nice in order that uh, she can get married. Shakal And guess what? It worked. They found a guy, that t- a man that took her and was willing to pay 400 zoos for her. I guess in like a, a dowry. 
Havahu Kuti Mishimumutev. So there was a guy that was living in the neighborhood of Kuti. The Havid but he also had a daughter, and he saw how the results of what happened to the Bibai's daughter with this depilatory. He says, you know what? I'm going to do, do it to my own daughter. It was a successful treatment. Tafla Behad Zimna. But he smeared her body in one shot. He didn't follow the protocol of one Evid at a time. So he put this whole stuff in one shot, Umeta. And he killed her. She died from it. Too strong. Amar Katla Bibai Libarti. And of course, what did he say? Who's responsible for the death of his daughter? Not him. Rabbi Bai. Rabbi Bai killed my daughter. Classic. Amar of Nahman. Rabbi Nahman said, Rabbi Bai, the Shatishikra. Rabbi Bai, in their house, they drank beer. They were beer drinkers. Ba'yan benate tafla. So his daughters needed this item because if you drink beer, it grows hair. But we don't drink beer in our house. So it's the beer that causes the hair to grow, kind of like the Havdalah. So therefore, you have over here an inyan of Rashi on the bottom. Shakal arba she got 400 from her husband. Beer causes the hair to grow. Makes the skin a little dull. And therefore to shine it up, you need to do this uh, depilatory. Amen, amen. Rabotai, just uh, schedule going.